thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Such a pleasure to be with you. Um, I was here about 20 years ago. <laughs> this was my church for a little while. Do you remember that, Leon? Yeah, that's it. It was. Um, And that was just a restorative place for me after being broken for quite a long time, coming here. Nobody knew my story, but I thank God. So this church has just got a special place in my heart. And thank you so much for inviting me. I have a message for you that's been resonating in my heart for a long time, and I'm going to preach it. (laughs) Okay? So um, I'm not going to do the Anglican thing. I used to work for the Anglicans, right? And they used to give me... Seven minutes to deliver a message. By then, I was just, I'd just finished saying my name, and then seven minutes. Honestly, that was what they gave me. But the message I want to talk to you about today is about place, presence, and purpose. Place, presence, and purpose. And I'm going to speak to you from a favorite scripture of mine, which is Exodus 33. Remember the Old Testament? <laughs> it's there somewhere. But as, as, as we were singing and worshipping today, there's a song that, that I love particularly from Matt Redman. And I'm going to just say the words. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry for the thing I made it when it's all about you. He says, when all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth. You know that song, right? I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. Now, I've grown up in a Jamaican family. I'm not Jamaican, but my parents were. Are there any Jamaicans in the house? No! Your church is so much the poorer for not having them here tonight. You see, because the Jamaicans are like this. They will tell you the truth exactly as it comes out. There's no filter from here to here, all right? And that's certainly the old, the old Jamaicans that, I, I, that were my parents, of my parents' age. So if, if something is not right... They will tell you. Never ask a Jamaican, does my bum look big in this? Because they will say, it absolutely does. Now, I've had to learn to navigate two cultures, the British culture, which I am obviously a part of, and the Jamaican culture. So I've had to always come behind my mother to the lovely British people and say, no, she meant it this way. Oh, no, she didn't. She meant it the way she said it. But one of the things that they used to say to me when I was growing up, and my sister was, know your place. Now, that wasn't an enjoiner. It wasn't a lovely thing. It was, I am the parent, and you are the child. Know your place. And I'd say that in Pato, it was, know your place. <laughs> I bet, how many of you can say it that way? Know your place. Come on, that's it. We'll get your speaking patois 
by the end of this message, okay? I always say people, English people should be more Jamaican. The life would be much better if, if we were more Jamaican. But my mum used to say, know your place, meaning, you know, you're a child, you need to be seen, but not necessarily heard. <laughs> and what you have to say may be important, but not right now. Know your place. And place can denote many things, doesn't it? It means a particular position, it means a point, it means an area in space, it means a location. It means a portion of space that's been designated or available for or being used by someone. Place. Now when we come to talk about God and what God means by place, I think he means something slightly different. It was Ezra Taft Benson that says, when we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of, their life, out of our lives. Our love of the Lord will govern the claims for our affection, the demands on our time, the interests we pursue, and the order of our priorities. Over the last several months, I'm going to be honest with you, I have had a craving for more of God than I can articulate. And I know that that is something that God has given. You see, I'm, I'm fed up with a insipid Christianity. I'm tired of doing things just for doing things' sake. I want more of him. And I realise that wanting more of him means something of a stripping away of me, of all the things that I hold dear, to come back to the heart of worship when it's all about him, Jesus. Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, verse 1, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying I will give it to your descendants. Now, you probably, most of you will know the story of the promise that was first given to Abraham um, and then given to Moses. And God had said to him, I'm taking this nation and I'm forming this nation into a peculiar people, not peculiar, uh -huh, <laughs> but peculiar people. Some people, persons who will have had an experience of God, but he took them by way of a desert road, and you know the reasons why that happens. And when we talk about being in our place, it's great to know that we belong to God. Many of you here, and many of you watching online, are Christians. You can define your, your presence because of what God has done already in your life. But there is more. God is asking us to move out of our place into a larger place. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that that's a prophecy for you moving house <laughs> or whatever that may be. I am saying that God is asking more of us than we presently have. Place. Where is God placing you? It's said in a proverb, an old-fashioned one, and I don't know, it's an anonymous one, the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. The only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. 
God said to Moses, move from where you are, from the place that you are, into a place that I'm going to show you. I believe that God is asking us for new beginnings. Not, not that we discard the old. The place that you have found in Christ is a great place. Thank God for his salvation. But there is more. And whatever it is, I want it. I want it passionately. I want to seek it. I want to seek wherever God's place is. I want to be there. That's exactly where I want to be. And all new beginnings start with an ending. Now, the thing is about moving out of a place that you're comfortable with, because we're comfortable, aren't we? Many of us have been Christians for a long time. Many of us know our God. We know what to expect. We know what to expect of church. We know what to expect of our families. We know where we're going to work tomorrow or where we're at home, where our marketplace is. Wherever that place is, we know that. It's comfortable. But I believe that God is moving us from where we are now somewhere else. But it comes from the intensity of the heart. What is God doing? I believe he's doing something. He's saying that there is a new place for you. Place. It may be uncomfortable. It may be fraught with questions and doubts. And a God who asks for the impossible. But guess what? We have a God who majors in the impossible. I want to see more people come to him. That means I may have to move out of my place. It always actually moves. means that I have to move out of my place into the place that God ordains for me for that purpose and that time. Now, when we talk about Moses, I, I've been reading a lot about him recently. And uh, I've forgotten just how inept he was. <laughs> he started off. He had a great beginning, didn't he? he? He had all that was required. But all of a sudden, this man who, was, who had everything at his fingertips, being the daughter of Pharaoh and having everything that was required that he could ever ask for, became a murderer. <laughs> what a fall from grace that is. A murderer turned a fugitive. He stuttered, slow of speech. He was challenged in many ways. When God asked him, look, I, I've got a special... Uh, place for you, I need you to go back to Pharaoh. He said, could you send somebody else? How many of us have been there? <laughs> could you just send somebody else? And in fact, he had a remonstration with God, if you read it. I'm not going to go into all of it tonight because there's so much I want to get into. But he had a remonstration with God, didn't he? I can't do it. This, this won't work. That won't work. What if they don't believe me, God? And then at the end, God just said, you know what? <laughs> just go. In fact, I'll send Aaron as your brother, your brother along with you. He gave so many excuses. And I see myself mirrored in all of that. I can think of a million excuses why I can't do what God asks me to do. I'm sure you can think of that yourself. I'm, I, you know, you heard about imposter syndrome, Right. I can't do it, I haven't got the right words, I certainly haven't got the right theological training. How do I share my faith? How do I, how, 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 how? And yet God says, I am. And because I am, you are. You can do whatever God asks you to do because of him. Know your place. 
It's more than just a saying, a Jamaican saying. It's actually about occupying a place. You see, when God asks us to do something, he moves you out of where you are, but he brings you into a space that you occupy. And you stand and you ask God, Lord, what is it that I need to do? And when he tells you, you move with intentionality. Know your place. As a follower of Jesus, knowing your place means growing in intimacy with God. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. God asked Moses to trade places. Yes, he had done something completely wrong. He, he, he had been a murderer. But God took him from where he was hiding in the really far part of the desert and brought him into a place that he just did not want to go. But he trusted and relied on God. And this is where I'm really heading to, the middle part, which is the presence for me. Place. Presence. More, is it Heidi Baker that said, more is accomplished by spending time in God's presence than by doing anything else. And that's where I want to be. I want to be and to learn to be in the presence of God. And the great thing about God's presence is that it's mobile. <laughs> no longer do you have to go to a particular place. We talked about place earlier. It's mobile. Wherever you are, God is. And I, and I understand that. But I'm talking about a place and a space where you can experience the presence of God for yourself. Moses learned how to serve by making God's place his place, his learning space. For him, Moses, it was going to the tent of meeting. And I, I love this verse in, in Exodus 33. If we just, let me just quickly turn to it. Exodus 33. And it's the tent of meeting. And I'm going to read from verse 7. You don't have to find it. Let me just read it to you. He said, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. But listen to this remarkable thing in verse 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. There was something peculiar then about Moses' daily ritual. Whenever he went to meet with God, all the people got up and watched him as he moved from there and went to the tent of meeting because something peculiar happened. Whenever Moses went to that tent of meeting, the pillar of cloud would come. It's almost like it puts a do not disturb sign at the door. And Moses would go in 
and speak with God. But listen to what he says. Face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Was that just for Moses? No. I believe that that is the privilege of all of us who call Jesus Lord. We have the privilege of coming into God's presence, of being with him and sitting with him and listening to him because I actually believe that's where growth, real growth takes place, in the presence of God. It's not about feeling because (laughs) how many of you know Christianity can be really hard sometimes. Following God can be really hard sometimes. If you were to depend on your feeling, you just would not serve God, would you, sometimes? There are days that you just feel absolutely out of it. But it's not about feeling. It's about coming to find God in the intimacy of a place, to find his presence. When all is stripped away and I simply come, you may be, and I, have been in, the, uh, in a place sometimes where what we do is come before God and we, we have a scripture, we say our daily devotion, and that's it. And we run out of God's place really, really quickly. But I'm going to challenge you to linger there a little longer, to develop the intimacy with God that we need. Because I believe that as God is moving us to a different place, to a different space, that he is looking for people who know him intimately, who understand the signs of the times, who know what he requires. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. I became a Christian at 16 years old and I became a Christian in a black Pentecostal church and they had a series of things they called revivals. Now these weren't um, the revivals as, as in Asbury or places like that. It was a planned week of meetings and they would usually get a very fiery preacher on who would shout a lot and run around the stage a lot and sweat a lot and he would do all of that. That was a revival. And at the end, it was a, come on, all you, you're going to burn in hell unless you come right to the front and declare Jesus as Lord. This is what you need. And, and then we'd be like, right, okay. Everybody's better, we better go to the front. Though, you know, in fact, what the old mothers used to do, our, our, our Jamaican ones, would, the first thing they would do was turn around and look at the young people because the young people were usually at the back and they'd be like, you get to the front. God's looking for you. To forget about them. <laughs> you, get to the front. God uh, wants to save you. But I'll tell you what happened to me. I went to one of those old-fashioned revivals, not because I wanted to go, but because I was invited to by a woman, a young girl, 16 years old, same age as me, who somehow carried the presence of God with her at school. And there was something about Brenda, and I call her name, that was just saccharine, very sweet. I thought, if that's Jesus, I don't really want that. I don't want to be that sweet. I want to be tough. I want to be one of those real cool black girls with my curly perm and looking cool. But God had other plans. She invited me, and I thought, hmm, I might as well go. Why not? I had nothing else to do. And I went with my other friend, a white 
one of my best friends, white girl called Lynn, and I say that for a reason because we both, when we went there, we were like, yeah, this is funny. Listen to him, it's going on, isn't he, a bit? But somehow, halfway through, in that tiny church in Birmingham, in an inner city place, place, the presence of God came. When all those women wearing their hats were, preach, were praying and singing, somehow the presence of God was in that place. And before the preacher, the revivalist, if you like, had even finished, I was at the front. To this day, I have no idea how I got there. But as I came, I remember weeping, 16-year-old weeping, because I had felt the presence of God in a way that I simply could not explain. My Anglican roots didn't explain it because I was an Anglican at that time. And it was great to go to church and finished in about 10 minutes and then I'd done my bit for the day, I could tick that off. That didn't explain it. But the real presence of God filled that place. The only thing I could do, my only response, was to get on my knees and to ask God for forgiveness. And he did. And he filled me with a presence that I could not explain. It was unbelievable, but it was also transformative. It changed my life from being a selfish 16-year-old into somebody that just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. I was like, I became that saccharine girl. Do you know Jesus? Do you know it? because he had changed my life. And then I learned the intimacy that there was in learning about Jesus. I couldn't get enough of Jesus. I couldn't get enough of him. Until several years later, I'd had enough of him. Because I'd fallen into bad ways. I no longer wanted to seek the presence of God. I wanted to fit in with everybody else. The presence of God changes everything. What will you give to feel the presence of God? Not only moving in your heart, but bringing the presence of God wherever you will be 24 hours from now. Wherever you will be when God directs you. I need that. But not only do I need it, I know our world needs it. You see, God saves you for a purpose. He doesn't save you for the selfishness of being in a great place with a lovely group of people. That is great. And that's where we get our, um, our spiritual nurture, if you like. But there is a world out there that I'm coming into contact with every day that has changed beyond recognition. I don't know how it's been for you, but it's certainly changed something for me. Two years of COVID have changed things in a way that I find it difficult to recognise. No longer do we do church where everybody wants to come to church. Some people just don't want to come anymore. We understand that. But they're asking lots of questions. Lots of people are asking lots of questions. People are lost in a way that they never have been before and asking the questions. It's no longer enough to say, do you know the Lord? It's great to know God, but to carry the presence of God with you changes everything. It changes your situation, 
your personal situation, but it certainly changes the atmosphere of those around you. I have been in places that I did think I would have the opportunity of speaking to Christ, about Christ. I, I, Leon talked earlier about being in the NHS. And as a senior manager, I remember, um, I've always been um, upfront about my faith, but coming up to East around about this time, or several years ago, just before I left the NHS, um, a lady came, we, we had a, a lady that was, uh, was like the social butterfly, if you like, of our, of our place. And she said, do you know what, Olivia, I've been thinking about Easter, and I don't know very much about Easter. She said, I, I think it's about chocolate and bunnies. And I looked at her and I said, mm-hmm. She said, but I think there's more to it than that, isn't there? And I said, yes, there is. She said, do you know what? We do lots of parties and we do lots of things. So I think I would love to invite you to talk about whatever it is that Easter is. I said, do you really mean that? And she said, yeah, because, you know, it's, we have so much buns and hot cross buns and all that kind of thing. So I just want to know a little... She said, I don't know anything more about it. I said, come, come here a minute. She came, she said, I said, you do know that if you ask me to speak about Easter, I'm going to mention Jesus. She went, oh, okay. I think she was too late for her to back out. She said, okay, then do what, do what you want. I said, so what, what would you like me to do? She said, well, it's going to be a lunchtime and what we're going to do is get lots of people to come because we had an open planned office and it was like hundreds of people in one huge, um, humongous room. She said, we'll get lots of people and we'll have some hot crust buns and some chocolate eggs. But she said, I thought it would be really good if you just talked a little bit. I said, thank you, Jesus. Great. I said, leave it with me, I said. Oh, I'll, I'll sort that out. What did I do? I went and got my friend's gospel choir. I got the gospel choir there. I got a little message. Three minutes, I thought, I'm going to preach on Jesus. And that's exactly what they, they did not expect it. Olivia, who is the Deputy Chief Officer of Operations, I stood up and I boldly declared Jesus. I had the gospel choir singing. And I gave an invitation. Now, <laughs> did I worry about my reputation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we ushered in the presence of God in that very office. After we'd finished, and I thought, okay, Lord, this is it. Credibility. I wasn't really bothered about my credibility, but I thought this is going to be interesting. I don't think she was thinking about uh, Easter in quite that way. One by one, we had an open plan desk and, you know, uh, somebody would come to me and say, Olivia. I say, yeah. I said, I don't know what happened to me, but while you were speaking, something happened in my heart. I'm not quite sure what that was. Um, somebody else came to me and said, I started to cry, but I don't know why. I'm not quite sure. And they, they all hid. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see anybody else coming to, them, coming to me. But every, nearly every person came and said, thank you so much for that. Something happened in my heart. And that whetted my appetite more than anything to learn that you can bring the presence of God wherever you are because God's presence changes everything. God's presence changes everything. He can change your situation. 
He can change your children. He can change your workplace. He can change your workspace. He can change the nation. This nation sent hundreds of missionaries overseas. Now we are receiving hundreds of missionaries here and the church is right here. I want to give my life to something more than I have now. God's presence changes everything. I know my place as a Christian, as a child of God, but I also know his presence. Be still and know that he is God. Sometimes you have to be still when all is stripped away and I simply come. Practice the presence of God. Learn how to read. It's, it's hard sometimes. Now, it's easy for me because I'm a bit of an introvert anyway, so I like being in my own place at times. And I understand that. But I'm saying that if we are to be a people that changes this nation, just like you are a church that has such an impact across this, this, this part of, of the world, God's presence will change everything because that is what I sense when I come here. I said to Leon just earlier, I said the culture of your church is, and I know it's not Leon's church, you, you understand what I'm saying, is absolutely amazing. The presence of God is here. But I know that there are other churches, other places where God is not. You and I usher in the presence of God in those very places. But we can only do that when we are filled with him ourselves. I am challenging you, my friends, my brothers and my sisters, to seek the presence of God, wherever that may be for you. Because listen to this, this is my favourite scripture of all time, so if I get buried, if I'm buried, throw this scripture in with me, right? Moses and the glory of the Lord. Exodus 33, I'm coming down, 12 to 15. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. Now Moses had been saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And of course it got to this particular point, the sticking point. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know who you send with me. Well, of course God had told him who would send with him. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, the first thing Moses asks is, Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, listen in verse 14, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Simple. End of sermon. Thank you very much. I'm just about to move off. What Moses is saying is, Lord, Lord, if you, if I found favour with you, teach me your ways. But if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me. Because what you'll have got is that what you'll have is a manufactured presence. Because some of us as Christians, we have a manufactured presence of God. We can speak the speak, we can walk the walk, we can talk the talk. But the real presence of God, sometimes it's not there. Oh, I pray that we will be like Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Lastly, knowing your place and knowing God's presence 
teaches us and helps us to find our purpose. Lots of money is spent, lots of books are read, lots of things on the internet are trawled, all looking for purpose. What's my purpose? That happens all the time. But our purpose is simply this, to glorify God. And glorifying God isn't about worship, it isn't about noise, it's just what you take with you. It's who God has made you and I to be uniquely to be. That you owe your transformation not to something that's um, like a TED talk or something that's just said. You owe your uniqueness to the transformative power that God has put in you. And your purpose is simply this, to glorify God, to proclaim his name, to be tellers of the truth. How many of you have realised that truth is now personal? <laughs> I've never known truth to be like it. You tell me your truth. I'll tell you my truth. <laughs> this is the popular talk of the day. I own my truth. You own your truth. The truth now is extremely personal. Now to talk about the truth, capital T, is seen to be something other than it was. To be truth tellers and front row witnesses of the transformation that comes through salvation in Jesus. Knowing your purpose is not a recreational pursuit, but a divine one. Its precedence is obedience. Its precedence is the practice of spiritual disciplines. You see, when Moses encountered God and God's presence, he, was, he then knew what his purpose was, and it was to call the, to repentance, to reinstate discipline, because the children of Israel had gone absolutely bananas. They'd gone cuckoo. To reinforce God's laws and to rebuild the tabernacle. Your purpose is to serve in community, but also to serve as a unitary person. What a privilege it is to serve in community. We do this together as church family through shared journeys, through life experiences, hardship, suffering, joy, celebration, but it's ultimately for his glory. What a privilege it is to lead for those of you who are leaders. We are his servants, but God has flipped everything, hasn't he? Because he said, actually, if you want to lead, you've got to learn to, to first serve. But I think this is the great thing about place, presence and purpose. It ends in Philippians 2 verse 16 for me. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine, you and I shine, as lights in the world, as you and I hold forth the word of life in order that you and I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. My friends, we have got the glorious opportunity to be front row observers, not only as carriers of the presence of God, but also as people who hold out the word of life for someone else. The only thing we can bring to heaven with us are people. That's the only thing. You see, when it's all finished, according to the book, it all goes back in the box. 
I want my life to count. I need to know my place. I need to find out where the presence of God is. And I know it's right here, wherever I am, He is. And my purpose is none other than to occupy my place and do what He wants me to do, which is ultimately about bringing glory to God. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. A couple of years ago, my father, who I'd been trying so hard to win to Christ, came from Jamaica to spend some time with me. And it was during the COVID years, and I tried really hard to protect my father, 86 years old, until he contracted COVID. He didn't know Jesus. He ended up in hospital. We prayed, as you would do. You get the church praying for you and praying for him, and we did so. And I wanted nothing more. My father, who had seen me come from a 16-year-old to a year-old so many years later, I wanted him to know Jesus. But he had spent all his life saying, I don't want to know. He didn't really say I didn't want to know. He was just a good man. And a good man doesn't need Jesus because he's a good man. So he thought. And then, one day, a young lady, a phlebotomist, working in the hospital, decided to go and visit my father because we couldn't get in. It was a time of COVID. No one could get in. She went to take his blood. He was in a side room. She went in. She said, Uncle Charles, you don't know me. That's my dad's name. It's a mark of respect. It's not her uncle. Uncle Charles, um, I'm here. And she said that because she told the nurses that this was her uncle. That's the way she could get in. She closed the curtains. She went to my father. She said, Uncle Charles, your daughters aren't here, but they, they know that I'm here. Do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? in hospital, Russell's Hall Hospital. He said, yes. After 30 years of me trying, <laughs> he says yes to this young woman, right? He says yes. She prays for him. She leaves him. And my dad is saved. She goes back day after day after day. We can't get in. It's COVID. They're not letting us in. She goes in. She takes his blood. She prays for him. She plays songs over him. She prays for him. I'm thinking, God, thank you. Thank you. My dad dies. Sad? Yes. But am I happy? Yes. Because my dad knew Jesus at the very last moment of his life. Why am I telling you that story? Because that young girl could have lost her job. But she knew her place. She carried the presence of God with her. And for that particular moment in time, which I am eternally grateful for, and my dad is now, she knew her purpose. I am so glad that my dad is with Jesus. 
after 30 years, I'm not, I'm not mean, I'm not, I, I don't know, it's all right, I, I'll get over the trauma. 30 years of ministering, he came to church with me every Sunday. He was there when I planted our church. Never accepted Christ, but a young girl, a young girl went and said, Uncle Charles, do you want to accept Jesus? And he said, yes. My friends, I leave you with this. You and I have a unique opportunity to serve God in this present moment. You are not an accident. You are here for a reason, for such a time as this. The place, the presence, and the purpose belongs to God, but it's also yours. This is a unique opportunity to serve him. This is a unique opportunity to see what God has in store for us as you and I hold out the word of life. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. The ultimate reward will not be a pension and a glorious retirement, although we're all looking for that, yeah? <laughs> it's going to be this. Well done, good and faithful servant. Would you stand with me? Worship team, I, you, you may want to come back and I'll hand this over to you, but Lord, we need you. And it may be at this time that you are looking into your own heart and saying, Lord, what is it? What's missing? Is there something missing? It's your own self-reflection. You may just want to take this time to say, Lord, I want to be in your place. I want to serve your purpose, but I need your presence. When was the last time that you felt his presence stirring, moving you to do extraordinary things? And extraordinary things isn't, isn't loads of things. It's just being where God asks you to do at doing what he asks you to do. But as you reflect, when all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth or that will bless your heart. He said, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you've required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. So I'm coming back, Lord. I'm coming back. I'm coming back, Lord, to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. Hallelujah. So at this time, as you examine your own heart, you may want to cry out for yourself or your family, Lord, please have your way in my family, have your way in my work situation, have your way, Lord. But Lord, start with me so that your purpose will be accomplished. I love the fact that God said his word would not come back to him void, but it would accomplish that which he pleased. So his word has gone out tonight. I don't know the results of these words, but you will live them over the next few days or moments or weeks as God speaks to you. So Lord, as we stand here, we thank you for your word. We thank you 
that God, you want to do something within us for such a time as this. And Lord, we will not shirk back because you have given us the word of life. You ask us to shine as stars among a perverse generation in a perverse time. We thank you. We bless your name because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you.